Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're with us today, especially if you're with us for the very first time. Hey, if you're a guest with us, I always encourage our guests, whether you're watching online or you're in here for the first time, to come back at least three times. Come on, family. Say three times. Yeah, the reason we do that and the reason we invite you to come back multiple times because we don't always get the best experience on the first experience. Come on, how many of y'all know? You go to a new place and sometimes the pastor ain't right or the worship team didn't get it right or maybe there's something weirded out. Just give us a few chances and see if this place is not your spiritual family. That's why we, we love to be spiritual family for everybody. If you're watching online, do us a favor and like, comment, or share. Uh, just let us know, hey, you're in the chat. You know, maybe put up a little, uh, you know, emoji. Yeah, preach, pastor, say something in that. And and uh, just be a part and interact with us today. And then if you're here with us today, will you do me a favor? Take out your phone. And uh, if you're on Facebook or maybe a social media, let somebody know you're here. Let them know, like, hey, I'm at church. Check in. And uh, just it's a great way for people to know about our church and the message of Jesus Christ. We are uh, currently in a series called The Shocking Statements of Jesus. The Shocking Statements of Jesus. And the reason we're doing that, here's the, the thesis of the series, is that if you don't see Jesus clearly, who he was, you won't be able to see him who he is accurately now. And if you can't see him who he is accurately now, that affects how you and I live. Because how we see God affects how we interact with everyone else. It affects us. It affects the world. And you and I need to see Jesus clearly so we can be Jesus clearly. Come on, right? That's our goal. And so today we've been talking about, just over the last few weeks, just different statements that Jesus offended people with. And I got to warn you today, it's not going to be good. Like today might be one of those messages you were like, Pastor, I don't even know what to say about that message. I liked it, but I didn't. God spoke to me, but it was weird. You're going to be, I'm going to offend you today, okay? And if, if, if I did the message right, it, it should poke you a little bit. Um, I, I'm not normally like that. I don't try to offend you. That's not my mandate. But I, I have a, a message today that hopefully will speak to us in a way that, you know, maybe you've never heard Jesus before. And so today we're going to be in Matthew chapter number five. Now, before I read it, I want to give you some context. Maybe you're not familiar with the Bible. Maybe you're new to this thing called church and Christianity. I mean, it's, it could be, a, look, I've been teaching the Bible for 20 years. And the Bible's confusing. Like the church, church can be odd and awkward sometimes. If we were honest with ourselves, we'd be like, this is a little odd. This is an ancient book with a lot of different letters in it. And some people that be doing crazy things and they're named weird. And it's just, there's a lot going on. And so in this particular passage of scripture, Matthew is a, it's what we call a gospel. It's a, it's a life of Jesus. It's a, it's a story about Jesus's life. And in Matthew chapter five, Jesus has already been born. We've already seen him go and become a rabbi. He's already started. He's been baptized. He started his ministry. He's on the mountaintop and he comes down from the mountain. It's funny. It's, it's just interesting how he teaches coming down from the mountain. And he, he gives his famous sermon. Most theologians or Bible scholars would say it's a, it's a sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the best thing. You know, all of us pastors try to, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be like Jesus and preach like this. This is the greatest sermon ever preached. And he starts to teach um, the family way of God. He's trying to clarify thousands of years of Israelites and Jewish people coming to church and doing their thing and trying to be like God and following the Torah or the first five, the Pentateuch or the first five books of the Old Testament. They're trying to follow and follow this law and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And Jesus comes and clarifies some things and he starts to teach on anger and divorce 
divorce and adultery and revenge. And he goes through all these topics. And it's like fascinating. You know, Jesus teaches very topical. And then he gets to the most offensive part. And when I read this, you have to read the Bible to read the Bible. But when I read it, 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 it offended me even now. And I want to read it for you and just see what, see what kind of comes out. We're going to read it today in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43. And it says, it says, you have heard. So Jesus is saying he's making a commentary on the world that he lives in. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Verse 44. But I say, this is it. This is our shocking statement, people. Get ready to be offended. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And when I read that, I'm like, Jesus, that's crazy. I barely can love the people I like. Anybody else? So how are you going to tell me that the best way to live is to love my enemies? That don't make no sense. Maybe you misunderstood. Maybe I misheard him. And he goes, let me just go on to say, in that way, you will be acting as true children of the Father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust alike, which should offend all justice people out there. Because there's some of you in here and some of us in here are like, you know what? Right is right. Wrong is wrong. And let me just tell you, life is all causality. Life is not all causality. Life is not all cause and effect. It is not all if you do something right you get something right in return. It's not all. If you do something wrong, you get something wrong in return. Jesus kind of messes with people like that. And here's how you can prove it. Isn't there a time in your life where you did something dumb and you didn't get punished for it? You got away with being ugly and mean and evil. And then there was a time where you did something right. You did the right thing and the wrong thing happened. Jesus says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Then he goes on to say, verse 46, he says, if you love only those who love you, and he kind of insults him a little bit. He says, if you love only those who love you, what reward is that? You ain't nothing special. Even corrupt tax collectors do that. Now, tax collectors were the hated ones, okay? They were the people that ain't nobody like, okay? That's, he was like, even they do that. And then he goes on to say, if you're only kind to your friends, how different are you from anyone else? Even pagans, the people who don't believe in God, the witchcraft people do that. You ain't nothing special loving people who you like. I'm like, Jesus, this is, this is hard teaching. You know? Verse 48, but you are to be perfect even as your heavenly father is perfect. Could be nothing. Maybe it's just my thought, but I mean, it seems like nowadays you're like, That's not, that's not what the world says to do. I mean, come on. If you put me on, you know, the news right now and did a worldwide broadcast of this, and let's just say I said, you should love the people you hate. Could you imagine the comments? <laughs> Could you imagine? Y'all would just start filtering the emails for me. You know what I'm saying? It's just like... <laughs> Half of them are going to be like, y'all are crazy, witchcraft, that ain't even godly. Some of them would be like, that ain't, I don't care, that's crazy, you don't know what they did. I mean, it's so antithesis to our world now. It could be most, the most offensive thing. So, our time we have together, we're going to talk about, if you're taking notes, the title of my message, love your enemies. Let's pray. Father, God, I love you. Holy Spirit, what a, what a time it is to be alive. Some people look at this time as dark and dreary. We see opportunity. We choose 
to follow you when no one else will. Holy Spirit, take my message. Make it relevant today in Jesus' name. Everybody set? Amen. All right, listen, if you've ever been to a church, I'm going to have some fun with you today. We're going to play a game. Um, I know, like, there's some of you all in here. We have all kinds of people in our church. Some of you all are super religious people, and you're like, you should never say anything in church and never do anything in church and don't smile and don't amen, and you're going to sit there. Otherwise, Grandma's going to pinch you. You live your life, your whole life, thinking you're going to get pinched in your arm, right? And so um, just want you to know you can have fun in church. And some of you all are like, I like to have fun in church, and you're going to love this. We're going to play an interactive game called the Love-Hate Game. Are you all ready? All right, if you're online, I want you to put something in the comments. You can participate with us. I'm going to give you a series of things, and we're going to see who loves and who hates them. And if you, I'm going to say, do you love, if you love this, stand up. So we're going to have you stand up. So get ready. Get ready right now. Put your coffee on the ground. Set it next to somebody. Get ready to stand up. We're going to do that. We're going to go back old school. You're going to be standing up and sitting down. Stand up and sitting down. We're going to go back there just for a moment, and we're going to have some fun today. All right, y'all, I'm going to give you some topics that we're going to figure out whose side you're really on. For some majorly important, divisive topics in this culture. Y'all ready? All right, get ready. If you love this, stand up. If you love country music, stand up on your feet right now. If you love, like you're proud of it. Look at all these people. Y'all need Jesus right now. Come on. Country music. All right, y'all love country. Sit down. All right, sit down. If you hate country music, stand up like you believe it, like you love Jesus, like you're sanctified, like you got a glory. Yeah, all right, you're on the comments. Sit down. All right, number two, we're going to get, we're just going to make everybody mad today. Starbucks. If you like Starbucks coffee and you like it, stand up. If you love you some Starbucks coffee, stand up, raise your cup high. You know what I'm saying? Here's, you know, y'all just believe. I believe there's going to be a barista in heaven and they ain't going to cost $18.95 a cup. Y'all know what I'm saying? It's going to be good. All right, sit down. If you hate Starbucks coffee and you're like, y'all are just demonic and, and just nature, that ain't even real. Y'all don't like God. Okay, all right, it's okay. Hey, you got time today to give your life to Jesus. All right. We're going to keep going. Reality TV shows, if you love you some Bachelor and some Keeping Up with the Kardashians, come on, stand up like you're proud. Come on, like, yeah. You're like, yes. That's Big Brother up in here. All right. If you hate you some reality TV show online, come on, everybody, stand up like you're proud. Y'all like, y'all ain't even, y'all, these are the saved people in the church, right? Y'all just sanctified. Sit down. All right, here, how about Apple products? If you love you some Apple, stand up. If you love you some Steve Jobs, and you're happy for the iOS, and you like messages, and you love the Memoji, come on, y'all like, all right, sit down. If you hate Apple, and you're like, Google's the answer to all of our problems, y'all need Jesus. Look at this. We got one, two. Judge them. They ain't a part of us. All right. This is the, all right, let's do one. We've got a couple more. Skinny jeans. Come on. If you like the skinny jeans, stand up. If you like them where you're just, y'all, these are all these, the, the workout people who are like, you don't know CrossFit and YMCA gave me these thighs. I got to show them off. Right, y'all? All right, sit down. If you don't like skinny jeans and you're like, that ain't the, but the devil, right? Stand up. If you hate skinny jeans, you like the boot cut, you know, y'all still wearing bell bottoms up in here, right? Y'all just, okay, all right. This is it. All right, I'm going to end it. With this one, the love-hate game, this is important. This is maybe the most controversial. If you like cats, stand up. If you like cats, stand up. If you like cats, look at this. This is just, this is what's wrong with the world. This is what's wrong with the world. Y'all think cats are pure? They're not. They were a, 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 anyway, sit down. If you hate cats, stand up with me and say yes. All right. Woo. Yeah. Y'all my people. Everybody else who stood up for cats, that y'all can walk. It's all good. We just, there are a lot of churches out there for a lot of kinds. 
I mean, we got, hey, hey, you know what I did? I just divided the church, Pastor Jason. I'm sorry for everybody. If y'all are mad at me, Jason at RiseChurchTX.com. He'll take your emails if you're mad. I mean, how many of y'all know? Isn't it easy to hate things nowadays? It's easy. I found that, like, you know, in order for me to love things, I have to, like, it, it kind of makes me feel like I got to hate some things. It's like a tribe. You got, it's kind of like tribalism. You know, you got, if I like my way, and I got to kind of, I feel like I got to hate the other way. I like me. Don't you love you? Like, it's easy for me to love me. I love me. I'm right. My way is right. I did the research. I like the stuff. I like what I like. And if you don't like what I like, then I don't like you because I like me. And if I don't, you don't like me, then I don't, I don't like you. And I, I've noticed that it's easy for me to hate the things that are not like me. So Jesus said something funny. He goes, you have heard that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, even scholars get this wrong because he thinks that, that we think sometimes, I've heard great preachers say, this is Leviticus 19 teaching, that you love your, your neighbor and you hate your enemy. The problem is, hate your enemy is not in Leviticus 19. What he was doing was he was commenting. He was saying, have you ever noticed? This is Jesus talking. Okay? I'm just I'm modernizing it for us. What he was saying in that verse, in verse 43, he says, have you ever noticed that when God told us to love our neighbors, you took it as hating your enemies? He said, have you ever noticed that? Have you noticed that the world we live in seems to be tribal and divisive and makes you kind of not like the thing that you're around? He says, let me correct it. You've heard it that way, and you practice it that way, and it seems odd to me. Let me tell you what God meant. He said, I say in verse 44, this is what God meant. You should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He says, let me remind you what God does on a regular basis. <laughs> like, he seems, it's kind of odd, it makes me mad, but God the Father seems to um, give to people that he shouldn't. Have you noticed that? He reminds us, he says, you know, the family that you're in, we love those that we shouldn't. We give to those that we shouldn't. We, we, we act in a way that seems so counter to the world you live in. It's odd. Now, when you were in the first century listening to them as a Hebrew, you would have had history behind you, culture behind you. They lived in a world that they had consistent enemies for years. Up until this point, they've hated the Amalekites. They've hated different tribes. And to that point, they hated the Samaritans. They called them half-breeds in that moment. They thought of them as less than human. They said the Samaritans. So Jesus is literally telling you, we, you got to love the very people that you lived your whole life and cultivated to hate. It's like, that doesn't make any sense, God. Like, I don't seem to understand. He goes, he goes no, no, this is what the family does. Verse 45, he says, in that way, you'll be acting as true children of the Father in heaven. That's family language family. He's saying, you're, you're in the family, right? Well, that's how we do things. Y'all, y'all ever have like a, a thing that you do in your family? Like y'all have a way, right? Like, uh, how many of y'all like uh, make a certain, like simple thought, peanut butter and jelly. If you notice that every family has a different way of making peanut butter and jelly. And you know how you know that is when you're a little kid and you go over to your friend's house and your mom, her mom, his mom makes a different type of peanut butter jelly than you do. 
Like my mom would make peanut butter and jelly, and she would put peanut butter on both sides, which is the holy way to do it. And then she would put the jelly in the middle so that the bread does not get soggy with the jelly, and it would be right in the middle. And I went to my friend's house, and his mom only put it on one side. And I'm like, you're not, you don't love God. But every family has a way of doing things. And Jesus was saying, this is God's way of doing things. And he said, we love our enemies, which should beg the question, you need to know who God's asking you to love. So close your eyes if you're watching online. Just humor me. We're not going to throw water on you or do anything weird. I'm not going to surprise you. It's all good. We're done with the interactive portion of the church. But just close your eyes. Humor me if you can. Even if you're a guest, please just close your eyes. I want you to think, who are your enemies? Keep them close. Who, who, who hurt you? Who, who brought pain? Who betrayed you? Do you remember that moment when you, 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 you believed that they wouldn't turn their back on you and, you, and they did? I want you to remember that. Do you remember when you got offended? Do you remember that person that hurt you and that offended you? Do you remember that person that talked about you? They did it online or they did it to your face or they told your friends or they said they, they, they told you they would never, ever do it and they did it. Who abandoned you? Think about that person, your dad who was supposed to be there and he wasn't. Your mom who shouldn't have abused you and she did. The, the family that, didn't, that did those things, you, you, they were, you were supposed to be safe. Come on, I'm talking about the people. Keep your eyes closed. Those who, 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 who are not you, who are not you, they're not you and they hurt you. Keep your eyes closed. The people that don't think like you, the people that don't vote like you, the people that don't believe like you, the people that say things opposite of you, the people that argue with you all the time. Come on. The people that watch the different news channels than you, the people that give you different places to see than you, the people that argue and get mad about different things than you. Come on. The people that get you all riled up. Okay. 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 Open your eyes. Look at me. Those are the people Jesus told you to love. And, and I'm frustrated, Jesus, because you have yet again, you're the reason, God, I'm considering walking away from this thing. It's not the enemy, and it's not my pain. Jesus has crossed the line again and is challenging me in the very thing I think I need to keep myself safe. said, love your enemies. Love, love. Why love? I, my, most of my sermons are my questions to God. I thought, God, why love? Why can't it be like, <laughs> tolerate? <laughs> be cool with as long as we ain't around each other. He said, love. Why love? Love is interesting. Love, love does a few things. Number one, it, it makes us effective. It's what makes this thing called Christianity work. Paul says it. Paul was an apostle in the New Testament. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was part of the first church that Jesus established, the local church. And he's walking around planting churches. And they're everywhere. And there are all these weird places. And Paul's writing these letters. He wrote this letter to the Corinthian church in a city called Corinth. He's writing to this letter, this church he planted. And he says this. He goes through all of these scriptures. I'm not going to read it. 
I read it in the first service. I'm not going to read it for y'all because y'all are, y'all, are, y'all are biblically smart. You can go back and read it. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But what he says is, he says something interesting. He says, he goes through a bunch of types of people. And I'll highlight it for you. He goes through and he starts with, with the people who speak really well. He says, if you don't have love, you're ineffective. All I say is ineffective. And some of us in here have literally, we have, we have like waited and, and given so much value to what we say. That if you're an eloquent speaker or if you can argue, come on, y'all can argue up in here. Come on, how many of y'all can, like every one of us has gotten a little good at that. If you were honest, right? You know who you are. You'd be on that Facebook making everybody mad and giving everybody the, let me show you this link. Let me tell you about this. Oh, you didn't hear this part. And can I just be on, just side note, okay, just kind of get a little bit of a soapbox. If you are a Christian here, can you please God on behalf of all the rest of the Christians in the world who believe in Jesus and love him, stop arguing on Facebook. No, no, pastor, I got to comment and let them know, because if I let them know, they'll change. Says no one who thinks logical. You're arguing logic with emotion. Last time I checked, you shouldn't argue with a fool. Stop it. Please. So that I don't have to keep apologizing for your behavior. Stop it. Because all you say is ineffective because everything that came out of your mouth was not in love as much as you want to say it was. And just because you in love, you're an idiot. That doesn't count, right? Like, all I say is ineffective. And then he goes on and he says, oh, the knowledge people. Oh, those of you who know. And you got the prophetic gift. And you, got the, you, you know about God. You read all the books of the Bible twice over. And you know the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic of this thing. You know what's up. And he, he said, but if you don't, you don't do it in love, you're insignificant. He, then he goes on to the, I'm just making everybody mad. He's trying to clarify. He's like, if I haven't made you mad yet, let me, maybe you're the belief faith people. You grew up in faith. I believe, you know, if you just got faith to, as a mustard seed, you're going to move that mountain. Ha! And you know how to walk around and speak it to life. And he says, if you can have that faith, you, you, but you did it without love, it's not enough. It's insufficient. And he says, if, if you give, all you givers out there, you're generous and you give of yourself. It's incomplete if you don't do it without love. Love is the secret ingredient that binds this thing called Christianity together. The other day, my wife was, we were talking about baking a cake. My, my wife is a baker. She's amazing. She can bake. She can kind of cook, but she can bake. <laughs> She ain't in this service, so I can say stuff. So, like, but she's a baker. The difference between baking and cooking is that baking is a science. Cooking is an art. Cooking, you can kind of, you can mess up a little bit. Put a little bit more oil if you want a little bit more oil. You add a little more cheese if you want a little more cheese. But when you get into the baking world, you, it's more of a science. There's half a cup of sugar, two cups of flour, three eggs. 
if you add a little more than it needs to, come on, how many of y'all know? Come on, y'all who know, what's up? It'll ruin the whole thing. My wife's a baker. My mom, however. <laughs> I love her. She ain't a baker. She wants to bake. She aspires to bake. I love my mother. She's an amazing woman. Some of you know her. She is our welcoming committee here at the church. She walks around and tells everybody, hi, I'm Aaron's mom. I'm like, babe, mom, can you stop? Can you just introduce your name? You know, she walks around. She's like, she got a title or something. I'm like, you don't have a title. It's all good. Anyway, uh, she, 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 she baked a cake one time. She forgot the eggs. Here's the deal. I read something about eggs and baking. It's the ingredient, what they say. It's the ingredient that binds all the other ingredients together. And when you bake a cake without eggs, it's what happens when that, that center of the cake does the, does the whoosh thing, right? It, you take it out. It does the, it does the, the, the whoosh thing, you know? And so you, you end up with something that doesn't look right. And you know what you wind up doing? You put a bunch of icing in the middle. How many of y'all ever done that? <laughs> y'all find the holes and you start just, you start shaping it the way it meant to be. It meant to be that way. And then when people cut into it, they be getting just nothing but icing. You're like, you're like oh, that's a different way we do it. That's our family way. <laughs> but, but, but love, like, it's the binder. It's the binder. When you, know, when you don't put eggs in the cake ingredient, you can bump it and it can fall apart makes it brittle. And what Paul was saying is he's saying, you can know things and you can be truth warriors and you can walk around and you can have all the gifts of the spirit and you can be, be really, really knowledgeable and you can say really, really nice things and you can give a bunch of stuff. But if you don't have love, all this thing that you built is really brittle and it doesn't make sense and it falls flat. Because you need love to be effective. The second reason he says love is because he says he knows he recognizes Jesus because Jesus knows everything. Love is the best option for blessing. Now, remember, Jesus was explaining the, the, the theme of the entire Sermon on the Mount was blessing. That's why he starts the Sermon on the Mount with blessed are the blanks. If you ever want to know, uh, I did a whole teaching called Happiness Is uh, last year, and you could literally go back and watch. I teach on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes. They call them the Beatitudes. It's all about blessing, but it's not blessing that you and I might not even think. He, they're in that culture and in that day when Jesus said blessing, they thought two things. Hebrew or early Jews or first century Jews knew blessing as two things. Number one, they knew blessing as Baruch, which meant literally the blessing or the uh, that comes on behalf of a spoken word. It's like if I walk into your house or if I walk up to you and I said, Mom, I'm just praying blessing over your life. It has nothing to do with me, everything to do with God. I'm speaking a spoken word of blessing Baruch on your life, which you and I should do on a regular basis because we need some Jesus power up in our life, right? But Jesus wasn't teaching on that. He wasn't teaching on Baruch. He was teaching on a different concept called a share, which was the other common thought for blessing, which simply means this. It was blessing at the result of something that you and I did. It was the law of sowing and reaping. And Jesus was saying, you, the reason you should love your enemies is because it's a seed that will go into your life and produce great harvest. 
It's about sowing and reaping. It's a share. A share is an interesting concept in the Bible. Uh, um, it, it reminded me because I've had recently, it's kind of funny, I've had recent um, conversations, a lot of conversations with people because of our current economic world. Um, people have asked me multiple times about giving and giving as it pertains to stimulus. The stimulus package. I saw some of y'all living that stimulus life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're just like, golly, this is amazing. Socialism is great. You know, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know? And uh, I'll just teach. Come on. Y'all be, be, be nice. It's all good. But it was like, you know, y'all living the stimulus life, right? And they asked me, they said, hey, like, should I give on stimulus? And I always talk about stimulus. And, 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 and so I wanted to clarify something. Because I'm telling you, I get asked this a lot. I want to clarify you can attend this church forever. You can be a part. You can be here and love it, and I'll love you, and our people will love you, and I'll do you one better. God will love you. It's amazing. You'll be inside of here, and you can never give a dime because the truth of the matter is national statistics and averages, 8% of the church gives for 100% of what they get. So if there's 100 people in our church, which there's more, but let's just say 100 people in the church, Eight people give for the hundred people to enjoy it. And you've never, we've never lacked for anything, and God's good. And so giving is not about you entering into heaven. And giving is not about you being loved by God. Remember, you're already in the family. Giving has nothing to do with that. Giving is a teaching. God always taught giving as a teaching on a share. He said, oh, no, no, no. No, you're, oh, giving? Because we always, what we always do is we take it to the nth degree and we think, if I don't give, God's going to get mad. Some of you give out of fear. Some of you don't give because you don't believe it. And God's always taught it giving as a matter of sowing and reaping. Now, those of you who give, you know this already because you reap all the time. And, and I always, I, I always, my response to people about giving on stimulus, the Bible says you give off of increase, Period. Is it an increase? I give. So we tithe and we give off of that. Now, now listen, listen. If you never do, it's all good. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Isn't it good to know that God ain't looking at you and judging you if you don't give? Really, what he's trying to remind you all throughout Scripture is that if you give, it's about you. Your giving has everything to do with you. Look, don't give to the church. We don't, God don't need your money. The church don't need your money. We're doing great. I promise you, everything's fine. Giving is for you. Because it's a share, it's a seed that you plant in the ground. So when Jesus was teaching it about, come on, y'all. When he was teaching it about, he was simply teaching you blessing. A share is about sowing and reaping. Why wouldn't you? He, he always laughed at people asking him about giving. Why wouldn't you give? Don't you want to give? That's how he thought. So I kind of, that's my response to people. Why wouldn't you give? Don't you, why wouldn't you? I want 90% blessed rather than 100% in the balance. I just, if you're a betting man. <laughs> so, so. He's teaching that love is the best option that's going to bring about a share in your life. He says that it's almost like this. Imagine for a minute, you're on an island of 100 people. It's just you, last people on earth. Y'all made it out of something crazy. 100 people, you're on an island. And if you had to choose between loving people and hating people, which is the best option? Most people would... Logical people would pick love because it's the best option that brings about a share. The problem is right now is we don't live on an island of 100 people. We live on an island, a world, 
a universe with billions of people. And come on. And now we are stuck. And you almost have the freedom now to actually hate people because everyone's brave behind a keyboard. So Jesus says, you should, you should love. Because when you love, it does two things. And I'm done. Two, two things. It breaks the cycle of violence and tribalism. Because if you hate someone, it's hard for you to lead them into the presence of God. Tribes are created all the time. I mean, it's, it's kind of a thing that people do throughout human history. And so if I'm with my tribe, I can't be with your tribe. It's like why I can't go to a Raider game and be a Niner fan. It just is what it is. It's why I can't go to the Spurs game and be a Laker fan. It's why I can't go. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, if I'm with me, I can't be with you. And if I can't be with you, I can't lead you to God. So the only way to break the cycle of tribal and violence and tribalism is that you have to insert love into that cycle, and it stops it in its tracks. And here's why. Here's why it's so important, because it leads us to the second part, is that it allows you and I to expand the family, which is the whole point of this thing anyway. So we're all part of a family of God. You know what your job is in the family of God. My responsibility is in the family of God. World's Christians apart, our responsibility is to is to welcome the outsiders in, <laughs> the enemies in. Like we, our fan, Jesus was saying, "Oh, those people, we welcome them in," and we go, "That's dumb, God." No, they're they're Republicans. We don't like them. They're Democrats. We're elephants. They're Donkeys, I don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, what? wait a minute. Different races? I got to care about what they care about? Wait a minute. Mask? No mask? I got to care about them? You don't understand. I'm a human. We're American. Constitution. Have I made everybody mad yet? You don't understand. They're wrong. They're my enemy. Jesus is saying, but you, you, you got lost up in the shuffle of your tribe. That ain't our family ethic. Our family ethic is you love them, is you welcome them in. And then what inevitably leads us to the question is why? Don't you ask God why questions a lot? I do. My God, I don't like that person. Why you want me to let them in? They were mean. They're crazy. They don't believe like I believe. They don't trust the science. They do trust the science. Anybody else mad? Everybody good? Okay, good. He said, he said, he said, here's why. You forgot you were an enemy of me once. The Bible says we were enemies of God. And so what's funny is you are got enough grace for you. But we ain't got no grace for nobody else. And so like we forget that we were lost. Remember what God does? He gives to people that don't deserve it and don't want it. In fact, he gives to people that kill him. They don't even live for him. They kill him. And he gives to them, and we look at that, and we go, God, that's so amazing. Amazing grace. Thank you, Jesus, for my grace. And Jesus goes, what about that other person? And you go, no. No, no, no. Key, should I get it? No. Where's that key? See, key, no, no. 
no Jesus, no Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, you passionate about the no, but can you love the people that Jesus told you to love? He tells you to do it because he did it for you. Now, it inevitably begs the question, I'm done. I'm closing. This is my third close. I'm done. I promise. I promise I'm done. And I didn't get one amen this sermon, and I didn't think I was going to. That's okay. Um, so Jesus says to love our enemies. I think I've made a good case to love. Okay, I think. Let me just say, maybe you're on the edge, and you're like, oh. oh maybe some of you are in the hypothetical world. You're like, okay, hypothetically, pastor, let's say I'm trusting you. How do I do it? Give me, what do I do? How do I do this? You all ready for the answer? You all ready? Get ready to take some notes. Here's how, you, here's how you love your enemies. You can't. Doesn't make sense. Can't. I asked God. I said, God, how do I do that? How do I love people that hurt my life? I've been hurt. Has anybody been hurt by a human in this world? Yeah. Can you just... Join your pastor in pain for just a minute. Anybody else get hurt by a human? Anyone? Okay, come on, people who are. No, just leave it up like you got like you got deodorant on. You're okay. It's okay. We got grace for you. Anybody else been hurt by a human? Anybody else online? Okay, y'all. Oh, seems everybody. Okay, good. And I asked God. I got mad at him the other day. I was crying. I said, you don't know what they did. I gave my life and my dreams. How dare you, God, ask me to love them? I can't do it. And I remember God saying, he says, I know. I know. You can't. And I got confused. And I got frustrated and I got worried because I'm like, I can't accomplish what Jesus is asking me to accomplish. And I said, well, then God, what do we do? And he says, go look at love. Love there in the Greek was agapeo. It's not agape like you might have heard it. It's agapeo. It's different. It's a unique take and a dialect that he was speaking. And it meant to actively wish well or esteem by his power. There's the key. There's the key. He said, you can't do it, Aaron. It doesn't matter how hard you try. Swing as much as you can. You're not going to do it. You're going to fail each time. The only way you can do it is if you get close to me and you get me in your life, and then what you can give them is me. But you can't give me if you don't have me. I've noticed you cannot give what you don't have. And if you don't have God's power in your life, listen, if you're new to this thing called Christianity and you're new to this world, God's going to push you to the point where you get to the level, you get to the, what they call the end of yourself. And what's funny is God doesn't say, okay, you could stop there. God goes, no, keep going. And you're like, last time I checked God, I fall when I walk off the edge. He says, yeah, that's right. So if I were you, I would be as close to me as possible. Because you can't love those people that hurt you and offended you. Without God's life, spirit, and his power inside of you. Practical steps. I just want to give you some practical. If you want to learn to do this, which I think you should because Jesus said we should, to plant good seed in our gardens of our lives so that we can reap a good harvest. If you want to learn to do this daily, you need to pray. 
So you get some power up in you. You should pray. If you never prayed before, start off with God. I need your power today. Amen. That's better than you doing nothing. It's kind of like people who talk about the gym. You ever notice like some people who want to start the gym, they get it so in their head. They're like, I got to go and be there for five hours and get, get it. Some of the best gym stories I've ever heard is that they just got up three times a day, went and touched the gym door and then got in their car and drive away. That's better than you sitting on the couch. Because eventually that led to the door opening, led to you walking through it, led to you getting on the treadmill for one minute and walking out, led to you starting five minutes and ten. And before you know it, you up there running a mud run or whatever, you know, ain't nobody get there without steps. So start with the step of saying, God, help me and give me your power today. Second way could be reading the Bible. If you don't need if you don't have a Bible, you come tell us I will God, I will get you your own Bible. I will hand you a Bible. I'll get it for you. And learn to get some scripture up in your life. Get a re- translation that matters, that you can actually understand. There, look, you do not get extra points for getting a Bible that has language in it that you don't understand. God's not going to go up when you get to heaven. You, ever, you know how we do that kind of funny? It's like, oh, you read the King James? That's, you get extra points. <laughs> Pretty sure that's not what's going to happen. Just get a Bible you can understand. Put it in your heart. And then third way, maybe the most important, maybe, you get some spiritual family around you that encourages you in the right things. I've noticed that when I'm ready to hate on somebody, if I somewhat find people and I have people around me that are hateful people, they encourage it. Something that gets offended to me and I tell someone who's naturally hateful, you know what they wind up doing? Let's go get them. You want to go get them? I hate them for you. You want me to hate? You hate her? Who are we hating today? But if you get around some godly people who love Jesus and trying to do this thing too, and you tell them, they're going to be the ones to encourage you and be like, no, no, come on. That ain't the way Jesus told us. We, we're part of that family. We're part of that family flow. We got that family ethic up in here. Let's love them. Come on, let's love them when we can't love them. I'm with you. Let's do it together. I'm going to pray for you. We're going to do it. It's going to be good. We're going to be this thing together, right? And you get around the right people, and they encourage you into the things of Jesus. It could be a great power step for you. Jesus offended me this week. Love my enemies. I'm so happy he did. I needed this. And I pray that we would step into his favor, into his share, so that we would reap a harvest of God's blessing in our lives. Love your enemies.